Knock, knock. It's your guys at Quality Check Podcast, and I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey. Joining me, LinkedIn Hand and carrying a tool, as always, is Drew Douglas. <laughs> a tool. It's a tool. It's not a weapon. It's a tool. We were here doing this podcast to prevent the, poco- the apocalypse. It's an important job. And the only, the only it is a, maybe the most important job in the history of the world. So we got to do this podcast about knock at the cabin, otherwise... Or else we're all goners. I think that's what it boils down to. I, uh, man, I have so much that I want to talk to you about this movie. I know, Drew, you actually, um, you're such a huge M. Night fan. And in all seriousness, though, M. Night, would you say he's your favorite modern director, period, hands down? He was like the filmmaker when I was, when he came around, it was just before high school that for whatever reason I like attached myself to and was just so obsessed with. Um, so yeah, he, he, and you know, I love people like James Cameron, but for some reason there's something about Shyamalan where like I identify him as like my director. Well, it's interesting because with that, we've seen like this um, in such a short period of time, this rise of someone who's deemed the next Spielberg and then it's the fall of of Shyamalan and then is it a Shyamalan sense I, I think he's gotten back on track I said this on a recent podcast that I think no matter what he can make things that people just aren't gonna like it's so interesting because I think a lot of his movies have somewhat of a universal appeal like Spielberg I feel like Spielberg makes these movies that across the board, it hits a lot of different points that a lot of people can relate to. Like, for example, Mel Gibson's father figure in Signs. Even though he is a priest and going through this uh, troubling, like, this faith-based questioning, I think even though you're not a priest or you might not be someone who has followed in this way that he has, I think there are a lot of issues, whether it's family or religion or whatever, some of those themes, a lot of people can like say, okay, well, I can see a little bit of myself in this character. It's interesting because I think that there are so many parts of Shyamalan, what he interjects in movies that is more universal in that case, more more like a universally appealing, whether it's the characters, the story, and so on. And very much so, Knock at the Cabin, I think there are a lot of things that you can look to and say it's Uh, somewhat universal. But where I'm going with this is, I wonder if with him being divisive, it stemmed from The Last Airbender and so many people being so upset about that. And then we've got some duds along the way that you've got like this guy building himself up for twists and they're upset with twists for the village, for the lady in the water and other things where it just feels like the audience has felt let down for so long that it's like they turned on him. Do you think that's it? I, I I feel like I've noticed more of a, I guess a vocal thing was the village was one where I feel like a lot of people didn't like that. Sure. I think too, maybe I am more sensitive because I love this dude so much that like any critique, I'm like, why are you saying that? Like, give me good, you, have, you better back up if you're going to bash this right. guy. So I don't know, maybe it's like a weird obsession my weird obsession 
is, uh, you know, clouding my view a little bit. Well, it does seem like there's a lot of unfair bashing. And even, it's funny, even whenever I went in to see Knock at the Cabin, the one there's a guy as I was going in, you know, and he was like, oh, you know, like, what are you seeing? Like, a knock at the Cabin. He said, oh, oh. I am, you know, I wonder uh, with this being Shyamalan's first R-rated movie, what it's going to be like because, you know, old sucked. I'm like, I freaking loved old. So get off your high horrors. It's a second R-rated movie, too. That guy's that guy's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so I was immediately as he was saying that and then he he made that comment about uh, old sucking. I'm like, okay, you know what? I understand film. Any, any kind of, like, art, you put it out there, it's subjective. But, like, it's almost like you ha- – it's – we live in such a knee-jerk society anymore that either you love it or hate it. And Shyamalan, either you have to love him or you have to hate him. And it's fun to hate him like it is to, like, be on that love train or hate train. Like, it's either one or the other. And Shyamalan's someone who – the guy, like, I could listen to talk about all of his filmmaking techniques. I mean, I told you this, but I went back, watched him break down one scene and old, and we go through this in, like, 90 seconds. 90 seconds of the movie, and he's breaking this down over almost 20 minutes. And I could listen to this dude talk forever because it's, like, it's interesting to find out what inspired him, what like why he shoots this way and how he's able to create suspense in 90 seconds. Like the guys, in my opinion, it's genius. And you have to admit, love him or hate him, he's still able to do that and better than most people creating suspense. Which leads, obviously, to this new movie, Knock at the Cabin. We were called and are united by a common vision, which has now become a command that we cannot ignore. The four of us are here to prevent the apocalypse. Your family has been chosen to make a horrible decision. If you fail to choose, the world will end. This came out this weekend and made $14.2 million at the, the box office, good for number one. Now, this is number one, but it's just barely above the movie 80 for Brady, which landed number two with $12.5 million. Now, the thing about 80 for Brady is that movie, the studio, I don't even know who made that, but they did this experimental ticket price thing where like tickets at most theaters were cheaper than usual. So the number of people that actually saw 80 for Brady were, was higher I'm kind of blown away by that because it's like, was the marketing for Knock not good? Did it come out at like a strange time where like people aren't interested? I, I'm i surprised because it's number one, but I kind of take that as a loss for this movie. Uh, the cinema score, we'll get to that right now. Rotten Tomato score actually, uh, 68%, which is around the mark that I expected. The cinema score though is a C, which is surprisingly lower than old, which everyone I talk to besides you really doesn't like that movie. That that was a C-plus movie. But I am surprised that there's, I don't know, I, I don't say a backlash, but people are soft on this movie. Do you think the C cinema score is too high, too low, just right? Oh, this is going to be an interesting conversation because for me, this is the first, I can't say first, 
but I actually fall right in line with the cinema score. Really? The, as you just as you said, audiences are soft. That's exactly how I feel about it. I didn't love it, although there are so many ingredients that I love. I didn't hate it, and it's higher than being in between because of those ingredients that I love. But honestly, I would say for me, this is falling very mid-tier. <laughs> wow. So what is it? What What's the initial, you, you're walking out of the theater, the initial feelings that's got you going, man, that just, it didn't live up to my expectations. What's the big, what's the big thought? You know, what's the big issue? That's honestly, I kept thinking back to it. And I think, and it will be interesting because you finished the book. I have not read the book, but I wonder if the book goes in a direction that I was expecting this to go for like I kept thinking about so many elements I think the acting's fantastic the story is so good this is such a Twilight Zone type movie and story but for some reason I just couldn't get into this and I think the thing it wasn't off-putting but so many of his close-ups it was almost like he was taking a page out of the Safdie Brothers book with the close-ups now, it's not like an overload, but there's an element to that where it felt so, like, intentional. It's almost like, and this sounds so strange, this is the first time I'll say this about a Shyamalan movie, but I felt like I would have rather have seen this at home. And almost all of his movies I love seeing in the theater because of the sound design, what he does with the camera work. Um, but I've heard a lot of people say they love the camera work. I'm like, yeah, it's it's okay for Shyamalan, but I still stand by old is shot better and it looks better. Whereas this, there are there are parts of it that I think it's good, really good. I just don't think it's great. And I kept waiting for the story not to take. I'm not looking for any twists or turns or anything like that. But even though I have thought a lot about it, I'm also thinking of, well, why did I not like it as much? And I think it really just boils down to there being elements that even though it was question in the story, I just I, I was looking for something that was more of, say, a mist at the end of the mist where not necessarily it's bleak. But I love ambiguity, and I think there are too many answers that were, or questions that were answered. And I would be okay not knowing some of that, because it allows us to then start fearing or thinking more about what exactly did they see or what did they not see. And it lives with us, whereas I think there are a lot of things that Shyamalan presents and then he answers. And I think for a lot of audiences, that is a good thing, but I also, I don't think it's good or bad. It's just not what I would have preferred, and I think that's what it boils down to. Well, then you need to read the book because the thing that Shyamalan does that the book doesn't do is he gives clarity to why this is happening. Shyamalan has an answer that I think also fits into his filmography. He does these movies, and it always, I don't say always, but a lot of them come back to finding faith in a higher power, having faith in something bigger and having to make sacrifices. So that's interesting you say that. Did you see that he did shoot? Because I've heard some complaints or read some complaints about 
the way the movie looks and or was shot, did you see that he shot the movie with like old cameras and lenses from the 90s? Yeah, I, I didn't realize that at all while watching. And like there was great sound, great uh, a great picture and great sound for this whenever I saw it. But I never I never noticed those details. But like you said, after watching it, that's whenever I found that out. I'm like, huh, it didn't uh, it doesn't add anything. But I also question, well, why why exactly did he choose to do that with using that equipment? And do you know why he did that? Like what his reasoning was? He he mentioned just the old it's like an older way of storytelling. He wanted it to feel like a throwback thriller, essentially. This like dark fairy tale. Which it does. It really does feel like a throwback. And I I hate going back to I know we talked about this on old when we when we were talking about old, but it does feel like an extended Twilight Zone episode. I hate going back to that. It feels like I keep leaning on that too hard. It does feel like that, but at the same time, there's enough of this feeling like it is a throwback thriller that I enjoy, but it's awesome. I, there's something that feels modern and maybe too modern, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think maybe it's the storytelling that he takes with this, which is a different approach than what we've seen. I would argue that this, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, but I, I would argue that this seems like a newer Shyamalan, someone who's learned through the years about whether it's filmmaking, his techniques, or through experiences. This feels like a different Shyamalan than the Unbreakable Shyamalan or the Sixth Sense Shyamalan. It just seems like he's changed some of his ways. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but to me, I definitely feel it while watching this movie. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like, it doesn't have the vibe of Unbreakable, but it also doesn't need these extended takes. So I think it, I think it goes... I think it works for Shyamalan 2.0, is what we'll call him. <laughs> now, would you know this is a Shyamalan movie if his name wasn't on there? If you sat and watched this, could you go, oh, this is... This has got his style. That's such a great question because honestly, if I were to, I've been thinking a lot about that and no, I don't think so. I mean, there are elements, for example, the close-ups and the Dutch angles, certain things like that where it does seem Shyamalan. Some of the weird comedic moments, like the very end is very, Yeah. this feels very Shyamalan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could. And for example, if you look at old, I think, okay, that looks like a Shyamalan. That feels Shyamalan and it looks like it. This one, I don't, I don't really, and it's not necessarily that I'm, it's got to look like Shyamalan because the visit, even though it feels like it at times, it's not necessarily like a Shyamalan style. It's very different. And it is a 2.0. It is different, but I also feel like that feels like Shyamalan because of the setting. I, you know, I have the complete opposite reaction to old. That, I think, is shot well. I don't necessarily think that feels like a Shyamalan movie because of the setting. Philadelphia, and just Pennsylvania in general, is so ingrained in his movies that I think uh, it kind of makes old feel... I mean, I know it's a Shyamalan movie, but I have the opposite reaction that you're having. Like, that's the one where I'm like, that feels like the outlier to me. This feels like him doing almost um, some like a play. Like this is him doing a play. It's it's basically a bottle episode. We don't venture out of the cabin 
except for a few flashbacks and then the very end of the movie. Performance-wise, the cast, I think, is really good. Argue that maybe this is Batista's best role, best work today. Oh, hands down. And that's another thing, looking back on this, how many of the actors do I feel like this is their best work? Now, granted, there are, I think, Batista, um, his best, and I haven't seen a lot of Rupert Grant, but I do think that this is, based on what I have seen, his best work. Because all I could think about his, is his character in Servant. Servant has been an eye-opener because really outside of Harry Potter, I have not seen Rupert in very much stuff. Now I'm looking at him going, he's doing great work. Maybe I just haven't seen it, you know? Yeah, especially with everything that he um, has done uh, leading up to this. At least, once again, not having seen Servant... I'm like, man, I want to see more with Rupert because, spoiler, I know even though we said it earlier, but hey, he's not in it very long. I was not expecting that. <laughs> what So what was your favorite thing about this? If, if fixing the ambiguous elements or making it actually more ambiguous would elevate this, what, what do you think worked the best? Yes, uh, I say that, but I think overall that would not be uni- universally loved if it were more ambiguous. And I, I understand why Shyamalan changed that element. And we'll get into the differences between the in the book and the movie. Um, like I said, the book is more ambiguous than this. I think I prefer the movie version. Which I'm curious to hear what all that, what happens, because especially knowing that you have read the book... Um, I do have so many questions for that. But as far as answering your question about what I did like, it is the what if. I lo- I think that this story is so good. I think, once again, going back there, if you mix this, and, and especially hearing about this movie, it's got everything that I love. Uh, a small setting, like an intimate setting, all of this I dig, I love. And it's where I'm going to watch this movie again. I won't be watching it again in the theater, but I, I think I will watch this with my family because I want to see how will they react. And this is a great universal question. What would you do? And I love that because it's been stuck in my head. I like, what would I do? What would be, what is my break? I don't even know if I could answer that question, which I've been asking you all day. What would your breaking point be like? What, when do you get to that? I don't know if I can answer that right now, truthfully, but I love thinking about it. The breaking point in terms of when would I start believing that this could be real? Yeah. Because I, 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 I told you I have one. You have the tsunami, the plague. I, at that point, I don't think I'm on board. I'm like, this is coincidence. So I, with those two, I don't think I'm on board. It's the planes falling out of the sky that mm-hmm. I'm starting to go, this might be, I might have to start taking this, these, the doomsday crew seriously. And I think that would be my breaking point of we need to at least have this discussion because, <laughs> like, what is going to happen next? Yeah, and especially walking out and seeing that outside, that's that's eye-opening. The first two, you're seeing it on a TV, and you're like, maybe they're faking this somehow, as crazy sure. as that seems. But you step outside, and you're seeing planes falling. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I think I would be more open to the idea that we have to do something. Do you think you could ever do it though? Say you're wow. you're in the same situation. You you have your wife and a child. I mean, you immediately know you're not killing the kid. It's gonna you, one of you guys is gonna have to openly sacrifice yourself. Do you get to that point? Do you think with the planes falling out of the sky, 
like, and do you think you could actually do it? And I think this is also uh, leans into the uh, question of faith and all that, because I think it's interesting to see the difference of those two characters. At least that's the way I read into it, that these two uh, men are, one is more religious or spiritual than the other. That's the way I read it. And I might be wrong, and I don't know if there's clarity in the book or not, but that's how I interpreted this. And because of that reason, what happens if you have two who aren't, like completely at all? For And so this goes deeper into this question or conversation of spirituality or religion or what, what, what have you. And that's where it's a, okay, there is something happening here we can't explain. There's no way you can explain all of this stuff. And this is, that would be a moment of, okay, we have to talk about this has to happen. You, I, I have to die. Like I have to be sacrificed <laughs> because. Crazy. Imagine having that conversation. Yeah. And then, but then as I asked you, like, is it by suicide or does the other one have to kill? And then if that's the case, what happens like for this person? Say they, it's your wife and she has to shoot and kill you. Like in this case, he shot and killed. Like what, like what is left? Is this, is there enough left after the trauma that you're okay? But then again, I guess that's part of the sacrifice. You save humanity, but then you're left with this immense amount of guilt. And in this situation, he, Andrew kills Eric. Um, they know that it worked because they do see that. So there is, I guess, you have to have some sense of relief. And then also earlier, Eric has like the vision of one in Andrew, you know, when she's grown up which is a moment that mm. I thought was really touching and I loved it. So let's go over some of the big, it's, it's interesting to see or hear you say what you kind of would have wanted uh, and, and just how the, some of the things that you got from the movie that's not in the movie that is in the book, if that makes any sense. Like you're, you mentioned Eric's faith. If you look for it, it's there. It's more of a thing in the book, which is a head-scratcher of why it's not in the movie. There's obviously a number of changes from the book. I'll only go over just a few of the bigger ones. And the most major one is a gun is involved. Andrew gets it from the car. There's a fight over the gun. A shot goes off. And when is hit and killed? Wow. So Andrew and Eric have to grapple with her death for a huge chunk of the back half of the book. That's the most made, I would say the biggest change because, and Leonard tells them, you know, when, when's death is tragic, but it's not considered a sacrifice. So you two still need to choose who to kill. <laughs> so that, that like really shakes up the entire plot. And now in the book too, the order of, I, I'm just going to call them the four horsemen their deaths are kind of rearranged. Like Redmond is first, but in the end, uh, Sabrina is the one that survives until the very end. She kills Leonard. And then she helps Eric and Andrew to the truck that the four of them arrived in before she like blows her brains out. So Eric and Andrew mm-hmm. have this gun, their daughter's dead, and they have to debate, do we decide to make a sacrifice or not? And they're about to, you know... Eric's on board, willing to do it. They basically decide not to. We're not going to do that to for some god that 
this is what it expects. And it ends that way. We don't really know what happens. We have no idea if the crazy stuff keeps happening, you know, if the apocalypse ends. They just stand together in unity or like, we're going to take our chances with ourselves. We've already lost too much. So it's obviously quite a departure from the movie. That's, I mean, that does make it super bleak. I never once expected, here's a, here's the weird thing. I wonder if they did, if, if that's why Tremblay did that in the book, because I never felt like when was at risk. Yeah. Cause they do enough. I feel like to show that these, the, the crazy people that be- believe what they're doing is right. In this case, I guess they are right, but there is a level of humanity to just the craziness that they're doing. And that, I mean, that's a thing that, that makes me really wonder. That would make it super dark. And I think that's darker than most. I don't know. I, I, then again, I, I start to retract that because I can't say that's a darker thing because, like, say, The Mist, that's pretty heavy. Man, that makes me think a lot. I, I'd have to think more about that. But in terms of that religious aspect, that is interesting, though, that Shyamalan decided to take that out. Maybe it was just to keep it short on time, but at least you you get that sense of that there's some history he has that he hasn't given up on. Yeah, well, it's, um, in, in the book, him and Eric and Andrew don't agree on it, which I think is evident in the movie, that Andrew is very much of these people hate us. A lot of people hate us because of who we are. And Eric is on the opposite spectrum. They're they're scared of what they don't know. And he has this Catholic faith in the book that, again, I'm, I'm confused why it was on the cutting room floor. He hits his head. He's dazed a good portion of the movie, uh, of the start of the invasion. Redmond dies, and he sees, like, this light figure. And as the story gets crazier and crazier, he becomes more and more open to the idea that the apocalypse is real and they really do need to make a sacrifice. So I think losing that element of his faith and the fact that he was someone that actively went to church, even though his husband did not, um, and took pride in, you know, attending church beyond the big holidays like Christmas and Easter. Mm -hmm. I feel like you lose a little bit of why he behaves the way he behaves by not having that in the movie and I will say re-watching or watching the final trailer for the first time. I watched it after seeing the movie because and I'm glad I didn't because they show so much. Yeah. But there's two shots, one of him walking up, he's going to church, and then one of him in a pew. So I know they shot stuff for that. I think it is interesting that you were able to glean from what we watched that he is the of the two, the one that has some sort of religious faith. And I found that to be an interesting way of showing a couple, a family, of what do you do in, in that term of raising a child? And I, I think it, it really, it helps make it more complex because I feel like most couples and families, they reach a moment. And even if they still believe, say, a couple believes in Christianity, there's still the difference of Christian Christianity. Like, say, for example, Baptist versus Methodist, or... Catholicism versus something else, you know? So even though it is still rooted in the same, there are enough differences where it's like, well, that's like... There's differences within the same... We could both be Baptists and have different views on things. Exactly, yeah. And so I found that to be an interesting 
view that we didn't necessarily need to dive into it, but I love that idea that it's enough there. And that I was okay with in terms of I understood that, but it was never so prominent that it changed him however it shaped him and what he saw. Because in that case, with him saying that I saw this, I thought, oh, I love that element. I love this idea of he, did he see something or is it because he's he's received a concussion? Did he, is he saying that because he was wanting to believe in what they have to do? Is he, is he saying, like, so, so much of that for me worked in the movie and I really liked. But in terms of, the like showing other elements um i do like seeing the airplane fall but there are other things for example like it was an interesting way of at the very end showing other planes that have crashed in the field but i think it would be more interesting to just we're seeing their faces as they're driving by and say we end up hearing where Wynn's remaining father says close your eyes, I don't want you to see this, or something like that. And I've thought a lot about it, because that's like, wait, what is he seeing? Are people, are there more people who have lost their minds, and they started, they're like survivalists? Are we seeing people who maybe this affected more people who did the same thing? So I I mean, I go down this rabbit hole of asking these questions, and, and that's where I go to the ambiguity. But at the same time, also digress and say, I feel like that would piss off audiences more than what we saw. I do like the idea, though, Leonard mentions at one point that families throughout history have been mm. given this you know, task to make the choice. And there's something about that that I love so much, but I find so terrifying. Yeah, and that that's something else that I've thought a lot about, because it's like, how wild would that be? of like you you know you never know of okay there's this there's this cabin in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere and it's like but that ultimately will be your destiny like that's the fork in the road whether it's for you and your family or for humanity i do i do really like that's another element of you could say surprise i'm not going to say a twist but it it's just so interesting to think about that. And that that's another ingredient that I love from this. Now, one other question that I don't think is answered in the book. It's Andrew and a friend of his are at a Boston bar. And he ends up getting attacked and, you know, smashed over the head with a beer bottle. They show mm. it in the, in the movie and he's with Eric at the time. And in the movie, it's, it's clear that the person that did it, Redmond, is actually O'Bannon. And there's mm-hmm. this whole, this whole angle is he, he's homophobic, he's out for revenge, or, you know, I put him in prison or whatever. In the book, I don't think it's ever clarified if, if the two are the same. It's just Andrew thinks he recognizes this person, and it goes along with him not believing any word that they say that it's a targeted attack. Did you like, did you like the O'Bannon-Redman angle? I think it, it, it's very Lostian. It feels very, which I like that, where there is a connection. But it also makes you question more of, okay, that seems a little bit too close. That hits way too close to home for it to be a coincidence. So I, I, I did like that. I, I was curious to see 
I think it would have been interesting if, like, he went looking and he never found his ID. He couldn't figure it out, yeah. Yeah, and he was left with that, and it was like it was eating at him, like, is this the real person? And that was, yet again, I think that would be another great thing to leave ambiguous of, is that the same person or not? And the thing that drove him mad is now driving him even more mad, driving him back to confront that PTSD again, but in a different way of, is this real? And are my actions and decisions affirmed by what I'm getting ready to do? And like, I'm trying to make this point, but I can't make it because I can't prove it. And so that was another part where I was hoping that he would never find his ID and he's just left kind of going more berserk because that's what's driving him mad. I think that was another element where I would like to have seen it a little different, but I was okay with what we got. And, but imagine not knowing and then you still do the sacrifice and it works. Just like the the just like odd feeling that you would have of the, what is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> What are the odds that I'm going to hang out with this guy again? So this is middle to low. Shyamalan ranking for you. I, I I can't officially lock it in a position, but I I do believe this is in my top five. Man, it's so it's so tough because it's not in my top five. I will say that. I will say so. You you prefer old of his last yes. two movies. Old is is I because I think I like this better than old. Yeah, I this is yeah. Old old is actually up on my list. Now, it didn't move up, but it's up on my Shyamalan list. Did you end up watching The Happening? I did not. Oh, my god! Which stinks, I know. What have you been watching in the last week of Shyamalan? So the reason why I did not do The Happening is because my dad, we were planning on watching it, and we had some family stuff that came up, and he wasn't able to make it. And I felt bad because we were both getting hyped about it, and he said, I'm glad that you're finally able to watch it. So... Because of that reason, I waited. And I ended up doing Old, The Visit, and The Sixth Sense again. Um, and I've been going through and watching various clips of Unbreakable and, um, and realizing that remains so high on my list. But, like, how far ahead of its time? And it's weird to say, that, that phrase is weird to say, but when he created that, how far along, like, how much... How advanced, I should say, Shyamalan was to come up with that story at that moment in time and how he kind of foreshadowed so many things, storytelling and also with his story in Unbreakable. That was so fascinating. So um, so I, I returned to those. Um, but man, there's just I've gone down the rabbit hole of listening to and I've talked to you about this, um, gone down this rabbit hole of of watching interviews with Shyamalan and I can't get enough of this man. I'm seriously obsessed. I am obsessed with knowing what makes this man tick, why he likes this aspect of filmmaking, what make, drives him to write this and pursue this for a story and so on. Um, and I can't, I can't stop thinking about the man himself. I'm almost getting jealous. Oh, <laughs> now he's already got something lined up and we don't know anything yet, but He's got a movie slated for, I think, I know it's next year, but I, it's probably, I, I believe, a January, February, March release. So we got to be getting some details really soon if he's going to crank this out. It, he, te he teased it as a, quote, very unusual thriller. I, I know that he's, 
like it, comparing that to his other movies, what makes it so unusual? I'm so I'm now I'm so, so intrigued. You want me to read you the the quote he wrote or he said? He said I I have a new idea that I've started writing. It's out in 2024 and it's very very exciting. It's a thriller. It's very unusual and very new compared to what I've been trying to do recently, but I'm feeling very excited about the story, so much so that I can't wait to tell it to you guys. I don't know what that means. And that's another thing, like, I go back and I watch, rewatch old, and there's something that I pick up on, and it's mainly through the filmmaking techniques, and it's the way that the story unfolds and what we get out of it. And I just, you know, it's funny because I've told my girlfriend that as far as, like, old, there are certain things, certain hills I'm willing to die on. I'm willing to die on that hill. I'm willing to sacrifice myself and say, Old is a solid Shyamalan movie. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you're intelligent for saying that. Did you enjoy rewatching The Visit? Yeah, and that's another thing. When I when when I first watched it, and everyone was like raving about it, I'm like, it's good, not like great, but and that, just like this for Knock at the Cabin, what you said, I feel like I'm going to rewatch Knock at the Cabin. I'm like, man, I do like it more than like it's it's good, just not great, or I like it. Um, same way with the visit, I rewatch. I'm like, knowing also what it leads up to, I like even more. Um, and also seeing Shyamalan doing a found footage film. It's just fun. It's fun. It's just, it's, it's a, like, that's the, what I call it the most fun Shyamalan movie. I don't know if I can, but it's close. I I think it actually is. And that one has a lot of levity to it, even though it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of co- like comedy to it. And then the happening is has a lot of comedy, even though it's not intentional. Right. Yeah. Um, I did love his cameo. I, I knew I was like, how's he, he there's, I guess, room for him to to make an appearance in um, Knock at the Cabin because I knew I'd had flashbacks. And then in this case, we kind of go outside the cabin by the end of the film. I did like I liked his his cameo it it made me laugh out loud it well and you know it's funny because Shaw, or not Shyamalan uh Dave Batista he was doing an interview and he said you know I'm always prepared he never gave it away but I'm like wait what kind of cameo is Shyamalan going to do that's hilarious and it never dawned on me that it would be an infomercial but for um uh for Batista's interview he made that comment of how when they were shooting it and he saw it, it made him laugh out loud. And I'm like, what, what though? Like, what is it like a delivery guy? I was expecting it to be like a delivery guy. <laughs> Domino um, shows up. And the, the other, the other funny thing too, about that, like, uh, uh, for hearing Batista say that, but also see that play out. I was hoping that they would like he would be selling a security system. And it's like going back to Split and Glass where, you know, he's changed his life and he goes from, because, you know, he's inquiring in, uh, in, in Glass about his security system. Um, so that's, uh, I, I was hoping that he'd tie it together a little bit more, the Shyamalan universe, but that's okay. We still we still get that cameo. It's fun. I like. I it. think I I think I prefer the chicken salesman. All right. Well, I am disappointed that you didn't like it as much as I did. I I would have probably never guessed that. Now I do have some breaking news before we go. It's entertainment news and it's unrelated to M Night. 
Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. returning for a new I Know What You Did Last Summer sequel. Oh, interesting. I, I'm assuming going along the lines of Scream. You know, like the legacy sequel. Huh. Okay. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Yeah? I mean... Can't be worse than that Amazon show. That was awful. I never started it. I never... I wanted to, but I decided after hearing so many bad things, it was almost as poor as the Velma reviews, and I decided not I decided not to get into it. Velma's in a class of its own, though I don't <laughs> know how many of those reviews are from people that have actually sat down and watched it. I, I doubt the viewership is that high for that show. So, the, And those people aren't log- creating an account on Rotten Tomatoes to go review it poorly. Anyway, that's kind of fun news. What's the, What if that's Shyamalan's next one? I hope so. I was getting ready to say if that's tied to Shyamalan somehow, I'm down. Um, and that's the other thing. Like, I can't wait... I can't wait to see what he does next. And there are a few filmmakers working where I'm like, I can't wait to know what's next. Um, but Shyamalan is one of those filmmakers. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm always down. And you got to catch up on, ser- or not catch up, you got to start Servant. I uh, I think I will start that next because we were talking about that uh, in terms, especially with Rupert. Um, I think that will be my next until my dad's ready to watch the happening, um, then, and I, it was weird because like after talking about the happening, that was the other reason because I thought you know, if if I'm not able to watch it and laugh, if I'm watching it by myself, is it going to be the same as watching it with someone who has already seen it and watching it with someone else? Period. Um, I did think because I will be uh, seeing my girlfriend this weekend. We're long distance and. I was thinking about watching that movie with her, but she hates scary movies. It, that that might, that way might be fun. Because I feel like my girlfriend would, would just hate it, and she would trash talk it. Well, I think it's time for us to knock out of here. And until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.